ಪಾತಂಜಲಿಂಜಲಿಸ್ಮಿ so in the last class we started with the discussion of the last chapter of patanjali yoga sutra the fourth chapter which is uh, named as the kaivalya pad and we saw that the first mantra started with the idea that sometimes we may develop some traits which may appear to be something similar to spiritual evolution but if it haven't been uh, attained if that state has not been attained through conscious meditation contemplation on that sublime spiritual idea the main spiritual idea is that i am not this psychophysical existence i am the conscious principle it can be as a bhakta that i am the conscious principle eternally in association with the divine which is also the conscious principle and our relation is through devotion it can be that way or it can be like the gyana marga that i my i am the conscious principle which is identified with the absolute non dual existence whatever it may be unless there is a conscious attempt through meditation to get rid of all the afflictions sometimes just by birth or by some drugs or with the help of resorting to some mantras or some tapas as we were studying in the first mantra of the fourth chapter <clears throat> that we may Uh, reach some state which appears to be as non afflictive as the evolutionary the evolutionary steps of spiritual evolution know it for certain that those are not going to stay they are not permanent it's not going to until my liberation once all those extraneous conditions are removed i will be back again to my square one the original condition so that's the idea which we found has been depicted in the first sutra of the fourth chapter the sutra just uh, we read it once more janma aushadhi mantra tapa samadhija siddhaya so because of some characteristic which we have attained by birth that which may speak of some siddhi drugs we of course know it can alter our consciousness it can be the depressants it can be the hallucinogens or it can be the stimulants in whatever way it can alter our consciousness the mantra by chanting mantra we can achieve a altered state of consciousness through tapas but unless those are associated with the conscious contemplative idea that i am the purusha i am the conscious principle i am in no way associated with the prakriti those things are not going to help us permanently in our spiritual journey once the extraneous conditions are removed we again go back to the condition from where we started is an interesting very ramakrishna had a wonderful way of explaining the abstruse ideas of the scriptures 
in one of the uh, places in the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, a very nice way Sri Ramakrishna is uh, mentioning the idea behind the sutra, which we have just now speaking of, the first sutra of the first chapter. So what Sri Ramakrishna is saying? That a Hatha Yogi, when Hatha Yogi somehow by doing some mudra, some of the mudras uh, are such where you have to fold your tongue in such a way that the passage of the breathing gets obstructed. So he folded his tongue to obstruct the passage of the breathing and that took him to some Jara Samadhi. He appears to be like a Samadhi. He has entered into a state of Samadhi. But it is just by sheer physical means. It is by Hatha Yoga. The word Hatha itself means forceful. When you are doing anything by force, it is Hatha. Forcefully you are trying to stop the breathing, it is Hatha. So here also you have, you have just forcefully. By certain mudra, you have stopped the breathing and that made him to go into Jara Samadhi. Means the body was motionless. There was no sign of life, but he was living. And for many years, he continued to be in that state. People thought he has exalted spiritually. He has reached a very high state of spiritual evolution. He's in Samadhi. And after many years, somehow being disturbed by others, the tongue, the mudra, which he has resorted to, to stop his breathing and enter into the state of Kumbhaka, which in turn entered into that Jara Samadhi. The tongue just was removed from that position. And actually, uh -huh, the story goes like that. He's actually a magician. He was showing some uh, this magic tricks to the villagers. While, you know, that the magician sometimes will be uh, just uh, mumbling some uh, rhymes, which speaks of as if some syllables uh, by which he is actually uh, uh, so creating some spell. It's some spell like something. This pronounce something while just by pronouncing those spells, the tongue automatically turned around and he went into that Jara Samadhi. Now, when is that because of that accident, accidental movement, the tongue again came out for years together, he was in Jara Samadhi. People thought that he has entered a very high state of evolution. And the moment the tongue was removed, immediately he started again pronouncing that spell, which he was doing at the previous, that Lag Bhelki, Lag, Lag Bhelki in the gospel it is mentioned, that he started that uh, magic by saying Lag Bhelki, Lag. Let everything be delusion. Let the people get delusion by my magic. That was the spell he was pronouncing. And after many years, his tongue got removed. Again, immediately he started pronouncing that. As if there's this, the word com comma, that full stop means everything is over. Why we use the term coma for, for when we go to a state, when a person goes to a state of that hibernation because of some medical condition, we call it coma because his life is still there. He's just sustaining the life. Just in a sentence, the comma means a small interruption, but doesn't mean the end. It just, you have to give a small punctuation. It doesn't mean the end. Similarly, sometimes because of medical condition, when a patient goes to the coma, it speaks, it is not the end. It's just a punctuation. He may come back. So similarly, by this Jara Samadhi, he went to a state of coma. Those who goes to coma, sometimes we find, especially in anesthesia, it happens. You almost just click off and just click in. Then in middle, what happened, I don't know. And sometimes just what uh, the state in which we just switched off, we start relating with that state that in between what has happened, we forget. So that's the condition with this person. He went uh, into that uh, Jara Samadhi as the, the tongue rolled uh, and just stopped his breathing. The moment it got removed after years, he again was the same person. Immediately he started saying that spell, lag bhelki lak. So this speaks that unless your samadhi is because of uh, your conscious uh, awareness about your real nature on which you are contemplating, 
if that leads to samadhi then that samadhi is going to have uh, some permanent effect on your psyche by taking you gradually to that highest state of spiritual evolution where the prakriti falls off you reach the state of kaivalya where you alone exist kevala you alone exist by your own right without the help of without the need for the crutch of the prakriti actually it was never required somehow it was my delusion that i need that crutch that falls off so that's the wonderful idea which we studied in the first sutra the second sutra and the third sutra will speak of the process of transmigration we studied it in the first chapter here again it will be mentioned uh, and in the third sutra they will resort to some example to some simile to explain the idea of uh, the reincarnation that when we reincarnate into a different body in in a next life that we may find that the traits which manifests in that life most probably is not has not manifested in this life so what are the factors they say that my, my karma is results in the nature of my next birth so here the second sutra and the third sutra will mention that the karma is not the direct cause it's not that because of good karma i get some uh, better birth or for some evil karma i get some lower birth the karma is not directly related to that karma removes the obstacle of the prakriti in a particular fashion and the nature which has infinite potentialities as per the way the obstacle has been removed from that infinite potentiality a particular aspect of his of it of that prakriti is manifested through your life to give a common example just say that this fertile ground it is like the prakriti it has all the uh, minerals it has all the constituents which is needed for any plant to grow but when i plant a mango tree say mango seed from all those nutrients the mango seed is not that one from which the plant is growing plant is growing from the all the minerals all the nutrients which are in the soil from the water which is in the soil it's not growing from the seed the seed is just a gateway it opens up in in a particular way so that from that seed just a particular type of sapling will grow which will yield mango fruit the jack fruit that will also grow in a particular way to yield jack fruit and that's why we say such and such vegetable is rich in such and such minerals such and such nutrients you open the youtube you are just ask for the benefits of any vegetable any fruit they will say that it is rich in such and such vitamins it is rich in such and such minerals what is happening from where it is coming is it coming from the seed no how come from the small seed that all those minerals come it is coming from the ground the seed has the capacity to take particular nutrients which is suitable for that plant to grow is taking that nutrients it's molding in its own way assimilating in its own way to grow into the sapling of that plant so now you will understand how karma works there are innumerable potentialities as per my birth which is depends on the previous karma this karma actually is not directly resulting in my next birth or all the traits which are visible in the next birth it just removes the covering of the prakriti in a particular way to yield that type of result so that's the idea which is spoken of in the second sutra what is being just jatyantara parinama prakriti apurat the change into another species is by filling in of the nature so that's the idea which is been spoken of in the second sutra so if uh, just for a very quick recapitulation that how the sanskaras which are ingrained in our mind 
they are responsible for our this journey from life to life now first we will have to understand that that with the five senses we are constantly interacting with the external world when i am interacting with the external what is happening my mind is breaking into vrittis just like our mind is like a pond all the indriyas are like the holes very interesting in sanskrit the indriyas are called golaka golaka means hole the external world is a suggestion is like pelting stones the world through my vision through my hearing through my smell through my touch through my taste is as if pelting stone on the lake called mind and the mind is breaking down into vrittis now this vrittis the moment i interact with the world the vrittis can be of two types one is called aklishta vritti and other is a klishta vritti what is aklishta vritti that any modulations of the mind which is not linked with the emotive faculty or with the afflictions there are three types of afflictions raga dvesha abhinivesha actually there are five from the ignorance that i am the purusha i am the conscious principle i get associated with the psychophysical existence resulting in asmita from agyana comes that's limited sense of i that i am the psychophysical existence from that comes raga dvesha abhinivesha attachment hatred and tremendous clinging to this psychophysical existence that is abhinivesha which speaks of fear for death love for life fear for death that anything which is favorable for the existence of the psychophysical existence as i get identified with that i am drawn towards it raga anything which is not acceptable to it i am aversive to it dvesha and if i know that some factors are so powerful that it may result in the annihilation of my psychophysical existence i always avoid it i always run away from it i have a flight response for it and that is abhinivesha so either it is raga attachment or it is fight and flight response so there are many vrittis whenever in the my mind that vrittis are arising immediately i judge whether it is good or bad and accordingly i react so those are called the klishta vrittis what is a klishta there are many vrittis which has nothing to do with my emotive faculty when i just see suppose a building when i'm passing through the street and i see the buildings both the side it is just gyana it is just a knowledge that these are the buildings this is a double story building this is a single story building this building is has has a nice garden but in no way they are afflicting me in the form of attachment or hatred so those vrittis have nothing to do with our a transmigration gyana vrittis i see the table i see the chair so throughout my day throughout my life there are so many vrittis which has nothing to do with affliction so they also create sanskar but that sanskar is not going to harm us in the form of transmigration it is not going to bind us in the process of transmigration the pro- problem is with the klishta vritti all the vrittis with which that emotive faculty gets linked because of raga dvesha vinivesha from that what happens some think suppose i some delicacy i taste today it creates a vritti in my mind oh it is nice test that that knowledge is coming through that vritti the vritti has the content of the vritti is called pratyaya there's the knowledge what's the knowledge oh it's so nice and this is not uh, that moment i have that impression it's not lost immediately it goes as a bhoga vritti this bhoga vritti is getting stored as bhoga samskara it is having creating an impression in my mind it's not lost it is there stored again when i see that same delicacy after few days that samskara now comes back as smriti as the memory it comes back and again i am tempted i am lured to that again that taste the same thing so this bhoga vritti creates bhoga smriti as smriti creates results in karma action 
that karma also creates its own samskara once you do that action that itself becomes a tendency i res- i just tend to do it again and again so there is two types this one is the bhoga samskara bhoga smriti and another is the karma samskara now these all samskaras karma samskara bhoga samskara they all are getting as if settled down in the subconscious mind as vasana these are the terms we should never confuse samskara and vasana are not same all the samskaras get converted into vasana they are getting converted and they are there in my subconscious mind but all the vasanas don't find expression through my psyche that's a very interesting thing that when when this karma when i when, when the samskara bhoga samskara gets con, converted into karma this karma again finds expression in two ways as an individual aspect in my life it gets converted into karma samskara which gets converted into vasana that's one thing and another is the collective aspect any karma i do in my psyche it is getting converted into samskara and vasana and at the same time it is creating some receptacle where in future i will be gravitated i will be gravitated to that receptacle as per my samskara so that all those samskaras find favorable conditions for fulfillment so the collective aspect of karma is karma shaya ashaya means receptacle so you are creating that and another is the samskara which is getting converted to vasana that is in your mind now all these all these ashayas this the receptacle which you are going to be gravitated on that depends which all vasanas will find the prominence in your mind others will remain hidden all will not find expression just the example which we give in uh, the previous classes that what suppose a student uh, when he was a small child the parents insisted that you should study most probably he or she didn't had the inclination for studying by repeated insistence the child whatever we do again and again gradually we develop a taste for it we develop an obsession for it because of the neuroplasticity the mind it creates a groove in the mind and gradually we develop a liking for it so by repeated insistence the child develop liking for the study now no one has to say it studies by its own and as a result it is interested the child is interested in all the subjects which is reflected in his grades or her grades he is getting good grades in all the subjects so the vasana for all the subjects are there samskaras for all the subjects is getting to convert into vasanas now in the 12th grade after his exams in the 12th grade his grades now opens up the scope to get admitted in university in varied subjects varied streams now most probably the student now of all those stream chooses one for which he has a more affinity his grades now allow and the student now gets admitted suppose in medical college his grades allows and he gets admitted in the medical college now in school the vasana for all the subjects were there but now as as per the predominance of one of the vasana that i want to be a doctor this gravitates him to a receptacle called the engineer the medical college the medical college is not the direct result of his karma it is the collective aspect of karma the entire society have the contribution for building up that huge medical college that my liking for medical science have in no way creates that medical college it was already there my liking gravitates me there through that collective aspect that receptacle which has been created by the collective aspect of karma i am gravitated there and now what happens of all the vasanas only the few so now you will find that what that where this sutra what is speaking that this uh, uh, karma shaya now enables only the few of the vasanas to find expression through that student's life though he was interested in all the subjects now we find he is more and more interested 
in the biological science, the other subjects have got shadowed for the time being. As long as he's a medical student, this is the only vasana which finds expression as the jati, that he's a medical student, that is his jati. His period, how long he will be studying, five years, six years, seven years, for that period, bhoga, what the experiences he will be going through. Now, all are not same. Some are really very good student and got through the medical, uh, this uh, good admission in the medical college very easily and can pass the medical science very easily. Some somehow entered there and struggles a lot. So the experiences are not the same for uh, that, though they are all medical students, it's not the same. So this Jati Ayu Bhoga is determined by the nature of the action which I was doing. Once the Karmashaya is determined, now the Prakriti is opening up only in a particular way to determine my Jati Ayu Bhoga and only particular Vasanas will find expression. The others are there, remaining remains uh, hidden. Because Prakriti won't allow them to find expression. So now you will understand what the Sutra is speaking. Jatyantara Parinama Prakriti Apurat. There's a change in another spurious species happens by filling in of the nature. To give an example, very common example we gave again so many times, that suppose that as we believe in evolution, we were most probably some grazing animal in some past birth. And as a grazing animal, we had the tremendous affinity for the green grass. That was our staple diet. So whenever we see the green grass, we were drawn towards it. Tremendous attachment for that was there. So any bhoga samskara gets converted into this karma samskara, that seeing the green grass, I was as, as a grazing animal uh, drawn towards it. That was my karma that resulted in the vasana that liking for the green grass was converted to vasana. So if nothing is lost, if everything is in the subconscious mind, as a human being, when I see the green grass, I am supposed to salive it. I am supposed to go for it. But it never happens. Why? Prakritya apurat. As a human birth, in the, in the human birth, that mental module, that particular mental module, that particular stimuli response conditioning, where the liking for the green grass is there, that has been blocked. That is not allowed because that is not suitable for the human birth. So it is there. Again, if we, because of our karma, again, we have to just uh, take the birth in some lower uh, beings as an animal, as a grazing animal, that will again come back. That will be, uh, uh, that obstruction will uh, be removed. And again, that liking will come back because that will be suitable for that birth. But for this birth, it is not suitable. So it is blocked. So now you will understand that our karma directly doesn't yield the result. It removes the blockage of the prakriti in a particular way. And the prakriti infiltrates into your nature, giving you a particular type of personality, which determines your the jati in which species you will be born. Your span, just as we know, as a dog, if you just go, they say that 14-year dog means it is a human's 100 years. For them, that's the ayu. We cannot think, think of a dog of 100 years. So in that jati, that's the ayu. And the experiences which you will be going through is also determined that as per the intensity of the karmas, which has resulted in this birth. So that's the idea which has been spoken very nicely. The Yoga Sutra speaks the process of transmigration and where the role of the karma lies. The karma, all our actions are in various way chiseling the so-called uh, the obstruction of the prakriti to find so that the nature finds expression in a particular way which will be determining by next birth in a particular species. So this particular vasanas infiltrate through the jati to determine the lifespan and the experience. So now you will understand that this is the thing which we studied in the first chapter, but as it is uh, related to this sutra, we just had a very short discussion of the idea that how the transmigration happens, jatyantara parinama, the change into another species happens to the filling in of the nature. In the next sutra, the 
Yoga Sutra will give a wonderful example. What is the example? That let us read the sutra and then we will go to the discussion. Nimittam aprayojakam prakriti nam varana bhedatu tata kshetrikavat. So this nimittam aprayojakam prakriti nam. So here it is specifically mentioned. What? Nimittam. This good and bad deeds. Aprayojakam prakriti nam. Aprayojakam prakriti nam means they are not the direct cause for the transformation of nature. Your good and bad deeds are not transforming your nature directly. What it is doing? Varana bheda. It is just removing the obstacle in a particular way. Varana. Varana means obstacle. Bheda means to remove. And then he is giving an example. Tata kshetrikavat. Just the way a farmer removes the obstacle of the dam. Suppose the river is flowing by his agricultural his field, this, the, the field where he cult, the cultivation field. Now, what the farmer does, he doesn't have to just uh, bring uh, physically. He doesn't have to use his labor to bring the water from the river to his, the field to cultivate the land. What he does, that the dam which is there on the side of the river, he will be making or she will be making a small hole in a particular way, in a particular direction, so that the water finds its way into the field to cultivate that land. So the water comes automatically. The farmer just removes the obstacle. The water just comes and infills the entire field uh, in which he wants to cultivate that land, that field, that area which he has barricaded. Into that, the water comes spontaneously by its own, its own flow. He has just removed the obstacle. So that's the example which is being given here. That, that is just the way the farmer removes the obstacle. So that's why we find that Swami Vivekananda's definition of education, you can now relate to this sutra. That his definition of education, his definition of religion. It's a very oft-quoted definition, his oft-quoted passage of Swamiji, oft-quoted, uh, very, it's very oft-quoted. What is that? Education is the manifestation of perfection already in man. So what a nice definition. See how nicely he has actually did a free translation to this sutra. Education is the manifestation of the perfection already in man. The prakriti is having is uh, infinite, has infinite potentials. It is having infinite potential. Our education is just to remove the barrier, the obstacle. These obstacles are there in the form of fear, in the form of strong belief that I cannot do this, I cannot do that. These are the obstacles. Once you remove that, is the nature infills. You will find very interesting thing. In Olympics, always the record goes on breaking. Previously, when someone made a record, we thought, that no one can run faster than that. Now that became now the, the, the what you say the yeah, our aim, and we find that again we uh, what's it this outgrow. We just uh, overdo it. We just outgrow, and we find that we are doing better and better. What is happening from the mind that barrier is being removed? If he has done this, why not? I can do a little better. So the more. This the barriers are removed. You find the nature. It's not that that I am that because of that belief that I can run faster. I can I am running faster. In nature, there is infinite potentiality. It can go on changing my psych this psyche, my physical uh, formation as per that uh, my motivation. It can just remove the blockage. It can equip me with that type of physique, with that type of mind so that I can just remove that obstacle and can be doing better and better. So education is the manifestation of perfection already in man. Religion is the manifestation of the divinity already in man. This is a definition Swamiji is giving. There's a very nice uh, fact. It's not a story. In 1957, uh, uh, an entire monastery in Thailand had to be relocated. 
It's a story of golden Buddha. It has to be relocated. In 1957, it happened. It's a, uh, even now, if you go to Thailand, there is a temple of golden Buddha, a statue of Buddha, which is made of gold. Very interesting. Before 1957, no one knew that it is a golden Buddha. The monastery had to be relocated because in Thailand, the highways, they were building highways and that Buddhist monastery was or was obstructing the highway which they were supposed to uh, just build across the country. So from the government, it was given that, that they told that we are going to give you the compensation. You please relocate yourself. So the Buddhist monastery accordingly was relocating the government, uh, just whatever compensation government gave them with that, they started relocating themselves. The entire new monastery was built. Now they start thought of relocating. Now they had a huge statue of Buddha made of clay. They thought this, this statue we will take to our new monastery. But it was a huge statue. So they had to uh, take the help of crane to lift it up. So when the crane was lifting it up, it was almost the dusk. It was about to be dark and suddenly started raining. And as it was made of clay, when the crane tried to move it up, it couldn't take its own weight. And to make the situation worse, as it was raining, the clay was getting a bit soft. And as a result, the few cracks started developing. So immediately the monks told, please keep it down, otherwise it will break. So it was brought down and the, as it started raining, they immediately had to cover it with a tarpaulin sheet. And they thought, okay, that we will try again to move it up uh, next day. Now let it be there and now it's already dark. So it was covered with a tarpaulin. And now the senior monk, the in charge of that monastery, he came out at night just to see that what's the condition of the statue, whether it has deteriorated or not. So it was already dark. So he brought a torch, removed the tarpaulin and focused on the statue of the Buddha. And suddenly he was surprised. So some, from one of the cracks, as he focused the torch, he saw something is shining, something is shining within. Now he was surprised. What can be there? that is shining, it's of clay, clay cannot shine. So what's there in, something must be there inside the clay. Why it's how it's shining. So now he saw again in few more cracks and he found that, 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 that something is shining within was seen through the other cracks also. Now he brought the other monks and they started chiseling the, to make the cracks bigger, they started chiseling and at last they were Surprised, they were really surprised to find a golden Buddha inside that clay Buddha. And they were really surprised, they never knew that from where this uh, golden Buddha came. They were in that monastery, they themselves, but they were, they never knew. They had the idea that it is a clay Buddha. So now the archaeologist came just for a research and they found out a history behind it. What's the history that, that Thailand some, uh, some about 100 years back was attacked by the Burma, by Burmese army, the present Myanmar. So they attacked Thailand and they were ruthless. They, when they overpowered the Thailand, uh, this Thai, uh, the, this royal kingdom, and they started looting the country and they took possession of the country and exploited the country and ruled over it for some five, six decades. So at that time, this Buddhist monastery was there as per the archeologist. Some different generation of monks were there and that time this golden statue was there, golden statue of Buddha. Now finding when this, when they, realize that the Burmese army at any time will be, uh, will enter their monastery also, will come to their monastery and they will loot everything. So out of fear that they may be looted, they immediately covered the Buddha statue with clay and gave it a shape of the Buddha. It appeared as a clay Buddha statue. 
Now, as per their fear, as per their apprehension, as per their fear, the Burmese army do enter the monastery within a few days. And when the, uh, these Buddhist monks tried to uh, resist the army, they were killed, all were killed. They were ruthless. Whatever wealth was there, they looted. The monastery had a lot of wealth. But this statue, they never uh, gave any attention because there is a clay statue. So it remained as it is. After 50, 60 years, when again there was an uprising from within the Thailand. And the Thailand could, this, the, this uprising enabled them to attain freedom. The Burmese king, this rule was over. The Thailand again became free. Now again, this country, this Thailand started developing as a free country. And this monastery, which was in a dilapidated condition for 50, 60 years, no monks were there. It was just there, like a dilapidated building. But seeing the sign of monastery, the new generation monks came and started inhabiting that monastery. And they found the clay statue. Now, as there's a gap of generation, they never knew that it is actually a golden statue. They thought it's a clay statue. And it was there as a clay statue. Only because of the situation which arose in 1957, that because of shifting of the monastery, they had to think of relocating the statue. This was found out that actually it was a golden Buddha covered by the clay. So what is the cause of that covering? The fear, isn't it? So in our life, in our school life, in our school, I used to, we used to do a very interesting thing. That whenever we were asked to go to some other school, just to give some uh, value-oriented talks to the students. So we used to say that, you know, sometimes it is your own uh, limitation, mental limitation, which you have created, which doesn't allow you to excel. That fear, you limit yourself by thinking, oh, I am not good. Most probably I cannot do good in my studies. It is this thought doesn't allow you to really uh, excel in life. That's as Swami Vivekananda used to say, faith in yourself. Faith, faith, faith in yourself, faith in God. If you have faith in all the 33 million gods and in all the gods which the foreigners have brought in your midst and still have no faith in yourself, there is no salvation for you. So just to imprint that idea, you say that if you have faith, you can do any, so many things. And then we used to request the student a simple thing that all the students were requested, will you please raise your hands? So they immediately find a big question mark in their face that why we are asked to raise our hands. So, but we used to just implore, we used to just request, uh, go on requesting, please, just please raise your hand. And then we found that some of the students very hesitatingly lifting their hand, but while lifting their hand, they're looking around just with a sense that if I alone lift my hand, the others will say he's a fool. They have asked to lift his hand, he has lifted his hand. So, but when we went on insisting, at last they raised their hands, but it was not very straight. Just as somehow half raised. Then we staggered, we went on requesting, why not you raise fully straight? Then at last all raised their head fully straight. And then we used to say, see, at the very beginning when we requested, you could have raised your hands fully straight, stretched your hands. But what actually stopped you? It's your fear. It's your suspicion. It's your, uh, that fear the others may make fun of you. And the suspicion that why they're asking, all those things, the suspicion, fear became the negative traits for that time, which didn't allow you to realize your potentiality. So that was the clay. If you can remove it, the golden Buddha is shining within. So we all have that golden Buddha within. That's the Purusha. That's the eternal resplendent that our nature. It is always there. All these afflictions in the form of Raga, Dvesha, Avinayvesha is the clay. The more we can remove it, the more the Buddha within us, it may be golden Buddha, it may be golden Christ, whatever the way you think yourself to be identified with the, your ultimate reality, 
that shines forth. And that's the idea which has been spoken of in this sutra very nicely, that all your actions is just to remove the covering of the clay, which you have developed because of all the negativities in our life. With all the good karmas helps to remove it and the, you know, the, the more and more the potentiality which is already within that shines forth. So that's the wonderful idea which has been spoken of in this sutra. Nimittam aprayojakam. These are all secondary. These are not the direct cause. They are some secondary way your nimittam, all your good and bad actions affect you. How? By removing the varana, by removing the covering, the removing this bheda, it removes. Of what? Of the infinite potentiality of the prakriti. Just the way the farmer removes the obstacle from the dam to allow the water to flow in and fill the and cultivate the field for in which he is farming. So that's the idea which has been spoken of in the third sutra. And you can relate with the second sutra that how that when you take birth in a particular ashe, in a particular receptacle, uh, in a particular family, suppose in the last birth, I had the aspiration to be a musician and I tried a lot and I developed that sanskara, that like for liking for music, but most probably I didn't have the circumstance in which that liking could have flourished. But best for my liking, I am born in a family of musicians where they're all accomplished musician. And from the childhood, that sanskara gets now chance to fructify. And that's why we find child prodigies. So there are so many child prodigies that most probably they had that liking for the skill in which they are again taking birth. And from the childhood, the moment they get that favorable circumstances, the obstacle has been removed and we find the nature is filling in. Otherwise, how is it possible? You just see sometimes some of them, just think of the, this Mozart, the music the he's composing as a small child. How is it possible? If we have to learn it little by little, it is impossible. It's just the removal of the obstacle of the Prakriti and immediately you find that something wonder is happening. The infinite potentialities of the nature is manifesting once that obstacle is removed because of your birth in the favorable circumstances. So that's the idea which has been spoken of in the second and the third sutra of the fourth chapter. Now this idea is further uh, uh, taken to specify that how it happens in the fourth sutra. And this is the sutra. Everywhere you will find the explanation is something supernatural. That those who are yogi, they can create many minds to expedite their karma. Karma. That if in one body I have to exhaust my karma, it may take a lot of time. So I create many bodies, and in that I go on exhausting karma in various ways, so that my spiritual journey can be accelerated. I can, But somehow, when we relate to the modern uh, psychology, the way they are studying the mind, I am saying it that this explanation, which I am going to give you, is not as per the tradition. But at the same time, as I find that this explanation, the sutra means link, it has to be linked with the previous sutras and the succeeding sutras. We will find suddenly if we take that nirmana chitta means creating various minds to expedite my karma in an accelerated fashion. It speaks of something which is uh, uh, beyond my uh, this rational understanding. But if I resort to some another explanation, this meaning becomes very, very wonderful. And we will find it very, it is, can be easily linked with the previ previous sutra and the succeeding sutra. So the Nirmana Chitta, which uh, I'm going to interpret, we are going to interpret is the idea of mental modules in the modern psychology. First, the mental modules are, first let us just have a give a good brief introduction before we enter into the sutra. That just, take the evolution that the first evolute of life was in a bacteria. The moment the Purusha, the conscious principle gets identified with that microbial body, 
it thinks I am this microbe. And now what happens that if there's a small drop of nutrient in a petri dish, you find the microbe is moving towards it. If in place of nutrient, I give a toxin, it is moving away from it. The moment the asmita comes that I am this microbe, asmita came, ego came into existence. Immediately what happens when because of the asmita, what is happening? Immediately we will find this raga, dvesha, abhinevesh is developing. If it's a nutrient, I'm drawn towards it, raga. If it is a toxin, I am running away from it because it is going to harm me. The real me, nothing can harm. But as I'm identified with this microbial body, this raga, dvesha, abhinivesha develops. As a result, what is happening? The formation of the mind starts now at the very beginning. What's the mind? It's there's not, not one mind. That when the favorable circumstance is there, a particular stimuli that this is good for me is creating a particular response. I'm drawn towards it. And this is a particular module, one mental module. The another module is protection module. This was the growth module. That if I go towards a nutrient, that is going to thrive me. And accordingly, a module is created. A particular stimuli response creates a particular module. If it is a toxin, it's a different protection module. I have to run away from it. For that stimuli, if it's a toxin is a stimuli, response is run away. So like that, the moment that Asmita came into picture and with that Raga, Dvesha, Abhinivesha came into picture, the mental modules as we evolve, various mental modules started forming. In Sanskrit, the word Nirmana means construction. So we were constructing various mental modules as a whole, it's not me alone. The entire creation is creating those mental modules. Just the way you go on uploading in the internet, we were uploading these mental modules in the collective mind, which is full of so many mental modules. As we were speaking, when we were speaking of Vibhuti path, that as a bird, as a, like say an owl, it can see at night. It can see the infrared light. So it has its mental, its mental module is different from our mental module. It has the capacity to see infrared light and respond accordingly. That module is not activated in human being, but it is there in the collective mind. We as a human being have taken birth as, with a particular set of those mental modules of all those mental modules of the set of mental modules a particular subset of mental module which is favorable for my birth with that i have taken birth but by this time you have understood all those mental modules after all is linked with asmita the moment how that all those mental modules have started forming the moment because of ignorance i started thinking i am this limited psychophysical existence then as per the various types of stimuli response conditions, these mental modules have formed. So all these mental modules are hooked to, are pivoted to the asmita. If my personality is like a will, if I just take that my personality is a will, then the spikes are those mental modules, nirmana chitta. And asmita is the hub to which all those spikes are connected. So this is the idea which uh, you will find can easily link with the previous sutra, that we as a human being have been born with a subset of modules which is suitable for this birth, which all are connected to the hub, the asmita. Now very interesting thing, that if there are so many sub-modules so many nirmana chitta constitute minds, which constitutes my so-called mind. I have an idea as a lay person that there is one mind. There is not one mind. Actually, there are innumerable mental modules all hooked to that sense of asmita. Now, how do I act in my day-to-day life? You have so many minds. That's being indicated in the next sutra. Prabhritti bhede prayojakam chittam ekam ane kesham 
So that's why we are saying the sutras has to be linked, very easily be linked. That as per the circumstances, prabritti bhede. When I see a delicacy, a particular mental module is there. This delicacy is good for me. I am drawn towards it. That will get activated. It's not I am deciding. Even in modern psychology, they say as per the circumstances, a particular module gets activated, and that's the science behind the advertisement. When you are watching the TV, all the advertisement is based on that. They are they intend to activate a particular module so that you develop a liking for that product. The crude example which we gave that sometimes the car, new car model, which has they are going to. Uh, bring in the market for that we are advertising. There is no need for a very beautiful lady to be standing by the side of it. Why they have done it? Advertisement, always you'll find the new model car with the lady standing by the side of it. It is to activate a particular module. We all understand what that particular module, that the module which speaks of the attraction uh, of the, the human's opposite sex. So that's the attraction which has been linked so that I get focused to the car through this. So now you will understand that actually I am thinking that, oh, this car is having such such good qualities. It is I who am deciding to buy this car. But actually the one who is advertising has already resorted to some trick that actually it is not you who are deciding. Who is deciding? A particular module has been activated of course, after that, that is taking you to the decision that develop the focus first. That focus is now uh, taking you to the other, uh, what is it, the, uh, the traits which that car has, the special traits, the special benchmarks that car has, that it speaks of, uh, gives more importance to the security. It, along with the luxury, the security is a big factor there. All those things you now judge after first, first that drawn, you have drawn the attention. But I think I have made a very, very rational judgment. So that's in our life, we will find there is innumerable experiments, which shows that we decide as per the stimuli response conditioning, which is already fixed in a particular module, which has been activated as per the circumstances. There is no one deciding which module will be activated. There's no, there's no leader mind. All mental modules are there. They are all there in the my our this in in the in our mind, which one will be act some one will be activated as per the circumstances and that one which is activated that is having a fixed stimuli response conditioning. That example which we gave again and again that a group of uh, university students in the mid of the course were taken for some excursion and they were asked to. Uh, they were allowed to be with their family. Now the excursion was planned in such a way that they have to get down in some remote uh, village town uh, in the evening and next day morning, again, a next train will take them to the destination. So in the evening, when they get down in that small village town, the first thing they have already planned, they will go to some movie complex where various movies are going on. And they will be asked to just choose as the, whatever movie they want, they can go. So they can go, there are two, three movies are going, they can enter whatever they like. And now when they come out, they will be given a choice for the hotel where they want to stay. A small town, in the hub of the town, there are of course a few small motels, but that is not sufficient, those accommodation is not sufficient for all. Few have to go to a bit remote place. So now they wanted that, let the people themselves choose the motels as per their liking and our work will be done. We did not have to force anyone that, okay, you have to go to the remote place or something. It will happen by it's their own choice. How it will happen? Very interesting. There were two movies going on. So they chose, some chose to enter one of the movies, the other went to the other movie. So one was a horror movie, another was a family adventure movie. When they came out, very interesting. Those who went for the family adventure movie, most of them invariably they chose the motel which is in the remote place. And those who went for the horror movie, they 
all chose the hub of the city. They all thought it is we who are choosing. But actually what has happened? As per the movie, the horror movie enabled, activated the protection module. In protection module, what happens? You know, as, as we were evolving in the forest, you will find the predator and the prey. So as we were evolving, we also have gone through that state. We were most probably the prey. We were always afraid of the predator. And whenever the predator is there chasing, you will find the prey always wants to be in a group. Why? Because they know very well, if somehow I get singularized, the entire focus of the predator will be on me. If I'm in the herd, I may just merge in the herd. I may be saved. But if somehow I get singularized, the entire focus will be on me and there is no way I can escape. So whenever I am in protection mode, out of fear, we always want to be in the herd. So those who went for the horror movie, for them, the protection model got activated. They chose the motel in the hub of the small town. They wanted to be in the hustle and bustle in the crowd. Those who went for the family adventure movie. Now, when I am with my family, I'm in the growth mode, laser mode. Family module is activating there. Activate. When I am with my family, I want privacy. I don't want others to come. And those who were there for them, the family module, Keith and Keen module, that got activated. That has particular stimulus response conditioning. They thought they chose the hotel in the remote, but actually that module got activated by watching that movie and they chose that hotel. So now very nicely, you can relate this to the fifth sutra, Prabhritti Bhede. Prayojakam chittam ekam anekasam. So if the question here that if we just take the fourth sutra that here the yogi has created many minds so that he can expedite his karma through all this, then this you cannot read with this sutra because all the chittas are not working together. This prayojakam chittam ekam anekasam that among all the chittas at a time only one will be activated. So how the question of accelerating your, uh, uh, this, this, the, expend, uh, the expenditure of karma, how can you expend your karma at, a, at an accelerated pace? Because all of them are not working together. Only one among the all will be working. Ekam anekesham. Prabhritti bhede. As per the circumstances, a particular desire will arise. That the, it, it depends on the mental model that has got activated. And you are bound to act accordingly. So now you will find, if we take the findings of the modern psychology and try to relate with the sutras, the sutras were written thousands of years back. The problem is when we try to relate to this word, those words are not familiar with us. And sometimes our way of interpretation becomes a bit clumsy because we are not familiar with the word. But otherwise, it's very simple. That's why Swamiji used to say that we always encourage the development of science. Let science go on. Uh, uh, what you say that um, flourishing more and more. Then what will happen? The Vedanta, the Yoga, they will be established in a strong foundation. And there are some misbeliefs that will fall off. But the real, uh, the, what you say that the real essence of the teaching will shine forth. So sometimes I find that it has already started happening. The concept of the mental modules in the modern psychology, how nicely can explain the idea of Nirmana Chitta. And it can be related. You can just connect like a thread with the next sutras. Prabhritti bhete prayojakam chittam. A particular mental module. Ekam. Among many. That will be prayojaka. That will be activated. Prayojakam means that which is acting. Prayojana. That which has been activated. So among many, as per the circumstances, only one will be activated. And the stimulus response condition for that for that module is fixed. You have to behave as per the stimulus response condition, which is uh, fixed for that mental module, but it will give you a sensation, you are deciding to do it. You have decided to do it. So that's how the mind acts as a views, a grind as mind, like what to say, and there's a, an aggrandizement uh, machine. It is making a lot of this uh, that's a show. 
is it's meeting a lot of agendas which actually is making you believe that it is i who sincerely deciding but the mind itself has its own stimulus response conditioning which is taking its decision giving you a feeling that you are the one who are deciding so that's how the mind is fooling us again and again so this with the fifth sutra we stop our discussion today you'll find it very interesting if we take the idea of the mental module as the nirmana chitta then it, it matches very nicely construed mind how we have constructed so many mental modules in the process of evolution we can easily uh, uh, relate this with the this sutras uh, the next sutra uh, we will take up again in the next class which speaks with which this the, the discussion with which we started our discussion that of all these mental modules only the one which you are designing through meditation in this life when you have taken the resolution of spiritual uh, evolution that i will meditate on my real nature and accordingly a mental module again you will be constructed that mental module which you are going to construct through meditation that alone is anashayam that is without any affliction that will take you beyond all afflictions all others are afflictive the sixth sutra just we read out you will understand that what it is speaking we will again of course go into the discussion but let us just read the sutra to link it up with the previous sutras tatra dhyanajam anashayam of all those mental modules of all those nirmana chitta only the one which is the product of meditation is anasham is non afflictive all others are afflictive now you will find a wonderful thread all the sutras can be connected very nicely with the idea of the mental module when you link it up with the idea of nirmana chitta so we will continue with our discussion again in the next class with this we stop our discussion today thank you all namaskars